And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. So just to get it out of the way, I've learned as a preacher, and I don't get here early enough to hear it, but I did at Telequal when they simply say, Why are you limping? So you guys don't miss the message. I'm going to answer that question for you. Got a sore leg. So now you can just listen. How's that? No, I would appreciate your prayers on it. My wife's told me since last Saturday when I done it that I need to go back to the doctor. And I said, why? He's the one that done it to me in the first spot. Because I did jump up. Since July... A year ago this July, I've been real conscious of when I jump off a fence, a horse, a truck, jump a pew, whatever I do, I've been real conscious after my hip replacement to land mainly right-sided. But last Saturday, I was... I was... Feeding a square bale, big square bale, three by four off the back of the truck. I do that numerous times during the winter months. The truck is in four low. There's nobody in it unless Truett's with me. And uh, he guides and directs us to miss the trees and what have you. Don't tell Donna that. But when I jumped off last Saturday, I had forgotten what had happened a year ago, July, and I landed left-sided. And when I ask you guys to pray for me, I have said this from about two months after that, gen- that July, that that rod that goes down in my femur, I've been convinced it's not right, and I possibly could have proved that last Saturday. And I say that asking your prayers because there's something Really not right in that left leg right now. To let you know how bad it was, yesterday I finished on a cane. Hopefully I can get through without the cane at least today. But I say that not for anything other than I'd like to have your prayers because I need both my wheels. I go fast on two wheels and it's dangerous on two. It's big time dangerous when I'm trying to do it on one. Amen. So I appreciate those prayers. Here's my question right here. I've got my cell phone because I want to read something, and I'm always nervous as a cat in a room full of rocking chairs to bring my cell phone to the pulpit. I do put it on silent, and I've brought this to the pulpit twice because I needed it to make reference. And both times, the first time, two phone calls. Wife, Marty Brock. Can I just ask you guys something? If there is anybody in this world that knows what I'm doing on Sunday at 11.15, do you think it might possibly be the one I married and the one that introduced me to Jesus? I brought it because I want to show you a text that I got. My wife's calling. I'll get back with her. Unless you guys want me to call her. I got a question for you, and there was a few people that knew exactly what I was talking about at Telequal, but there was more people that didn't when I asked you this question. Do you remember January 7th, 2018? 
Probably more people here is going, don't know, don't know, don't know. Well, I knew, and I'll share that at the end of the message, that I needed to preach this same message. That I preached January 7th, 2018. I knew that about Tuesday, that it would be similar. I didn't know till this morning it would be the same message. So, do you remember January 7th, 2018? So to help you remember it, you would probably do better to be reminded what happened January 6th to me, 2018. Went to the Cherokee County nursing home to visit my grandmother. When I walked in, the receptionist at the front desk said, Rob, glad you come by today. Figured you would. There's a man you need to visit. And he's straight across the the hallway from your grandmother. Says he's a Christian, but you need to visit him. That's where she left him. January 6th, I made my way to my grandmother's room. I visited with her for a while, prayed with her. Walked out, walked across the aisle. Walked in, introduced myself to this man as Rob Pierce, pastor of Exciting Southeast Baptist Church. He introduced himself back to me. I don't recall the name but professor of philosophy for 35 years at Northeastern State University. Immediately, I felt like Stetson Wright felt a couple of days ago. He's the all-around champion of the world, and how he felt is he needed to give himself a pep talk. When he was down and out and felt like he was in a category he didn't belong, he had to give himself a pep talk, and he simply just reminded himself, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm happy, and I'm handsome. And he said that kind of got him through. And so when I introduced myself and he introduced himself, I needed a pep talk because look up here. I knew the IQ was way higher in that nursing home bed than it was in that seat that sat beside that bed. So my pep talk was, God, you know my IQ and you know I'm not very smart. But you know I cipher well, and I need you to help me cipher in this conversation. That was my pep talk when I sat down because I was just a little bit intimidated. And he began the conversation like this. You remember? I'm religious, but I'm no fool. Remember? And he began to preach about a 20-minute message on evolution. And the whole time I had asked God, just need to cipher here, need to cipher, I need you to help me. And when that professor of philosophy got all done with his sermon, his speech on evolution, I just simply said to him, So this place here on my wrist, this little speck, if I live long enough, it'll become a watch. I just simply said to him, that painting on the wall used to just be a square of dirt. Come on. I said, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. 
I left there that day, January 6th. Come on now. Already in this mind was resolution, New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution. But now I walk out of a nursing home and it's evolution, evolution, evolution. Because that's what I'm hearing. That's in my mind. But Saturday night, January 6th, I said, God, my mind's full of resolution and evolution, but I need you to lay something on my heart for tomorrow. I'd never heard the word before when God put on my heart devolution. You remember? I had to ask Siri because I kind of smiled and chuckled and said, God, I don't know if that be a word and I know I can make them up. Maybe it's supposed to just be a made up word. So I asked Siri, is devolution a word? And to much of my surprise, it was. I'd never heard it. Then since Siri knew it was a word... I went ahead and asked her, well, what's it mean? You ready for the meaning of a real word, devolution? The descent or degeneration to a lower or worse state. The reason we don't hear it from mankind, because mankind thinks we've evolved, it's evolution, and that we've got better. That's in man's eyes. But in God's eyes, he says, it ain't evolution. It's devolution. A lower and worse state. So is everybody staying hooked with me? So on January 7th, I preached a message entitled, Devolution, the Cold Hard Facts of the Human Race. And so today, I'm going to do what Peter said ought to be done. I'm going to try to stir you up by reminding you of that message. See, the apostle Peter said, as long as I'm in this tent, I want to stir you up by reminding you things that you already know. I'm pretty certain everybody within the earshot of my voice already knows and agrees with what I'm fixing to say. But we just maybe need to be stirred up. You've often heard me tell about the truck driver that dumped 18 packages of sugar in his coffee. And when he looked for package number 19, it wasn't there. He just simply said to the waitress, you got some more sugar. And she just simply looked at him and said, stir what you got. Folks, we've got everything in that of the Holy Scriptures and that of the Holy Spirit that we need to have a sweet, 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 not cup of coffee, but a Christian life. And so today, I just want to stir you up by reminding you of January 7th, 2018. If you're ready for it, say, I am. In that message, my first point was, we see God revealed. We see God revealed. The text was Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 for that point, when it says, for the wrath of God is revealed... From heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 says, Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it, if you will, revealed it 
to them. Everybody look up here and everybody listen. God's saying, no excuses. I've revealed myself two different ways. Number one, inside you. Do you realize that when God created you, He put a conscience inside of you? And when you're born, you know right from wrong, good from bad. Now hang on before you go to arguing. He put it in you. And your conscience can be flawed. It can be fallible. And it can be calloused. But make no mistakes about it. God revealed Himself to you by putting a conscience inside of you. Do you understand that? But then secondly, God reveals Himself not only inside you by way of a conscience, but God reveals Himself to us outside by way of creation. Now listen to Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. He says, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. Look at this. So they are without excuse. God says, I've manifested myself inside you by way of a conscience, outside by way of creation. Look here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth created mankind and placed inside him a conscience. So God has been revealed. And so to that professor of philosophy who says there's no creator, he doesn't believe in creation, I'm here to tell you when you see a watch on a man or a woman's hand, it's a testimony of a watchmaker. When you see a painting on the wall, hear me out this morning, it's a testimony of an artist. When you see a house, it's a testimony of a builder. I'm telling you, on the authority of God's Word, a tree didn't evolve into a house. Listen, a house testifies of a house builder. And here in a moment, and all week long, and the rest of the days of your life, you're going to be outside this building, and you can look at the creation. And let me tell you what it testifies of. It testifies of there's a Creator, and His name is Jesus Christ. So on January 7th, my first point is we see God revealed. In us by way of conscience, outside by way of creation. But my second point is we see man's rejection. Romans 1.21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. Danger when you know Him, but don't glorify Him. Nor were they thankful, dangerous when you're ungrateful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now I want you to listen to verse 22, and I want you to remember how myself and that professor of philosophy's conversation got started. Listen to verse 22. Professing to be wise, I'm religious. But I'm no fool. God said professing to be wise. But they become fools. 
I didn't call that guy a fool, but God did. I'm religious, but I'm no fool. If you're religious and you believe in evelation, listen, I'm not calling you a fool. God's calling you a moron. Did you know that word right there translates in verse 22? Professing to be wise, they become, in the Greek, it doesn't say fools. It says morons. Have you guys figured out by reading your Bible that God isn't into being politically correct? You know, we live in a place where man's rejected God. And in their rejection of God, they're worried about being politically correct. And we serve a God that don't give two hoots about being politically correct. He gives two hoots, three hoots, four hoots, and five hoots about the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that man that I talked to on January 6th, he had a whole different outlook on what he was than God's outlook on what he really was. I'm religious, but I'm no fool. And God says, you're worse than that. You're a moron, boy. So I want you to know, if you ignore your conscience, if you ignore creation, that's God revealing Himself to you, He says you're a moron. Let me just tell you this. If you try to make excuse when there is no excuse, God says you're a moron. If you think you can make it through life without Jesus, God says you're a moron. And more than that, look up here and listen. If you think you can escape hell and make heaven any other way, then through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God says, you're a moron. I hope there ain't no morons in the crowd today. And I hope if you come a moron, you don't leave a moron. My third point on January 7, 2018, we see God replaced. We see God replaced. Watch this. Professing to be wise, they become fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man. Exchange the truth of God for the lie. See, we replace God because our God is holy, He is righteousness, He is truth. And if that don't fit our ways, we'll just replace Him with a God who does fit our lifestyle. Can I say that again? We replace God. See, God of the Bible is holy. He is righteous. He has standards. He is just. And because we don't like that, we'll replace a holy and a just and a righteous God with a God that fits our lifestyle. Kind of like Adrian Rogers said, David. You tell me what you believe and I can find a church that you'll fit right in. That's because churches are replacing the one true and holy God with a God that fits their lifestyles. Now, if you remember that message, you probably remember this story about Matthew McConaughey. See, over where I do my banking at Locust Grove, more than once the ladies in that bank would say to the other, listen to him talk. He sounds just like Matthew McConaughey. Well, I don't know who Matthew McConaughey is. I know Matthew Hornet. Right there together, he said. Look here. 
And I'd heard that numerous times. You remember the story. Then I go preach at the BCM and the ladies at that college at night, Bryce, at the, at the service, they just kept saying, you sound just like Matthew McConaughey. They went to the point when I said, I don't know him, of bringing him up on YouTube, showing him to me and he's in that car and him looking out saying, all right, all right, all right. And I spent a lot of time that night with them girls going, they said, say it. And I'd say, all right, all right, all right. And then recently, you've heard the story. I've been told I look like Brent Venables. And I asked the question, why do I sound like the good-looking one and look like the ugly one? <laughs> Just my luck, isn't it? But if you remember the story, we was in... Florida at Disney World for a basketball tournament and I was just on death's doorstep because nobody would give me no sweets that day and we was on Animal Kingdom and when we come out of Animal Kingdom I was needing some ice cream now come on Disney World's got to have an ice cream shop wouldn't be Disney World if it didn't have an ice cream shop so I step up to the lady that's right outside the Animal Kingdom gate you remember the story and I said ma'am and about the same time I said ma'am she goes oh my gosh I said, now, I've, I kind of do that to ladies, ma'am, but hey, I'm taken. I'm I mean, she just, oh. I said, I'm taken. I got a wife. This is my daughter and, and her friend, Lori Beth. Listen, I just need to know where the closest ice cream here is. She said, no, I wasn't doing that because of you. She says, Matthew McConaughey just walked out in front of you. And I said, listen, I just need to know where the ice cream is. And about the time I said it, it dawned on me, that's who I sound like. It I turned around to Lori, Beth, and Ashley, and I said, we got to find him. I want to see if he sounds like me. And you remember the story? I mean, we turn around. I don't know what he looks like, so I've got to have somebody with me. I mean, there are a lot of people at Disney World over Christmas break. So we take off down through there, and Lori, Beth says, right there he is. And so I just speed up, and I get right beside him. Remember? And I just looked over at him. True story. I just looked over at him. I didn't know really how to address him. So I just looked over at him and went, All right, all right, all right. <laughs> he had on them mirrored sunglasses, and he looked over at me, and he pulled them down. And he said, You sound just like me. <laughs> no, he didn't. That would have been neat, wouldn't it? He didn't. He looked down at me, and I said, You Matthew McConaughey. I shook his hand. We talked there for about 50 feet, and I'm sure it was a bodyguard that stepped up there and said, your guys are drawing a lot of attention. Would you please just go on? The crowd was kind of gathering and because uh, he was disguised, and he was there in the park with his mother. And, they, and I respected that, and I just moved on. But Ashley had that on video, and it was on her Facebook page. So here's where I'm going with this story. You remember me telling it. I walked in the bank. And they'd seen that video, and they'd said, only Rob Pierce. Cheyenne Frontier Day sits beside George Strait's wife. The whole perf don't know it. <laughs> only Rob Pierce. Disney World, Matthew McConaughey, somebody's got to show him who you are, who you don't know him, and you go talk to him. And they kind of just laughed about that. And I said, well, a bunch of people probably recognized him. They just didn't have the grit to go talk to him. But look here. One of them in the bank said, you'd like him. He's a Christian man. You ought to see his speech when he won the Academy Award or, or whatever award. I don't know if it's Academy Award. He won something. So I go Google it, 
Because I want to hear it. I mean, I'm thinking there's a good sermon here. There's a, good, there's a sermon, but it's not a good one. I went and looked at it. And in that video, he held up his award, prestigious award. And he thanked a lot of people. And then he said, my dad. He said, I know he's looking down from heaven tonight. I know he's up there sitting in his underwear, sipping on a Miller Lite, looking down. Folks, Matthew McConaughey's done went and replaced the God of the Bible who says we'll be dressed in robes of righteousness and we won't be drinking no Miller Lite in heaven. And if you think that's what it's like in heaven, let me tell you what you've done. You've replaced God. We can't just think that we like Miller Lite and sitting around. You're not going to be in Fruit of the Looms in heaven. And you're not going to be sipping on Miller Lite, folks. Read your Bible and you will figure out that a lot of people have replaced God with a God that will fit their lifestyle and their likes. Do you understand that? The cold hard facts of the human race. Devolution, not evolution. God's revealed. Man's rejection. God's replaced. And look here. Man's ruin. That's what I preached January 7th. Man's ruin. Verse 24 says, God gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, it says, the men leave the natural use of a woman, burn with lust for one another, committing what is shameful, receiving in themselves the penalty of the error which was due. They did not retain God in their knowledge, although He had revealed Himself to them. They didn't retain God in their knowledge, and God gave them over to a debased mind. Listen, when you replace God, it's not going to ruin God. It's going to ruin you. And it says they were filled with unrighteousness, sexual immorality, uncleanness, covetousness. You go read it. Envy, strife, deceit, proud pride. It's all in there. But in verse 32 it says, Those who practice these things are deserving of death. Not only them, but those who approve of it. Could I just say this? You better be careful what you approve. If it's not approved by God, and you approve it, God said, not me. You're deserving of death just like the ones that are doing it. That's pretty stout. So... That's what I preached. And then here's what I said. Malachi, last book of the Old Testament. Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. I won't argue with not one soul over this, but you would have a very tough time convincing me that between that last book of the Old Testament and that first book of the New Testament could have possibly been the darkest time in the history of mankind. Not going to argue, don't have no theological axe to drive, but here's why I'm going to tell you, I believe it could possibly be the darkest hours of all of mankind because God had had it to hear. Go read Malachi. And he went. He zipped his mouth and for 400 years 
God didn't say a thing. I know it's dark now, but God's still speaking. He wasn't speaking then. I'm not going to argue with anybody, but it could have possibly been the darkest time in history. So what does God do? I think God just had Christmas. I think I'll just get mankind a gift. And I'm not going to get them one they want. I'm going to get them one they need. Rob, what do you want for Christmas? My wife will say, he's hard to buy for because if he wants something, he needs something. He goes and gets it. No matter if it's December, January, February, March, April, May, or June, or July. August, September, October, November. Just... So I guess I'm hard to buy for. But I really encourage people, instead of getting people what they want, you ought to see what they need. We ought to buy gifts that people need instead of what they want. I look up here, and I got that from God. Because on that first Christmas, whether it was the darkest time, we don't know, but we know it was definitely a dark time. So what was people in the need of that's living in the dark? So God sent His gift. He sent the light of the world for a gift for mankind in the darkest of times, right? What a gift when we're living in the darkness. What a gift we have in the light. And see, when I preached that on January 7, 2018, they thought it was over, and that's just about halfway through. Because I had four more points about the gift. And do you remember January 7, 2018? I said, that gift has to be accepted. I mean, the Bible says for the wages of, of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It tells us, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and that not of yourselves. Do you realize salvation is a gift? That light that God sent into the world on that first Christmas, do you realize it's a gift? And a lot of people know about the gift, but the gift isn't yours until you take possession of it. The gift is not yours until you accept it. Now, surely your memory is coming back to you when I preached this message. Because, see, I preached the message. And look here. I have been, Donna and I, celebrated in October 30 years of marriage. Now, look here. We was together seven years before that. took me seven years, Miss Bonnie, to talk her into marrying me. So we have been together 37 years. And if we make it, Brother James, and it's, it's questionable, if our marriage makes it to December 25th this year, I will have received 37 gifts from her. And that means I've had 36, Bryce. I am 36 and O of knowing what my gift is. Way before Christmas, 36 and 0, I know the gift. Somebody says, how? I want to explain something to you people that want to know what you're getting. When your wife leaves, starting about the 15th of November, you ramsack the house. You look under the bed. You look under the mattress. You look in the closet. You look behind the canned goods in the cupboard. I'm telling you, you look in the attic. 
You look under the vanities in the bathroom. Are you picking up why I'm 36 and 0? If they wrap them and put them under the trees, you simply unwrap them. You open them. You look at the gift and do your best to wrap them back exactly how they was wrapped and put them exactly back where they was. Now do you guys understand I've got some work ethics. I'm 36 and 0. But do you remember the story I told? December 23rd, 2017, that's when we celebrate our Christmas. I, I like to say we'd like to let our married kids get with my in-laws, but really they're my outlaws. My, my family married into the Gardners and the Clarks. We got outlaws. I'm just joking. She's back there going. So we do Christmas on January 20th. So look here, December 23rd. So look here, December 23rd. Breakfast is eight. I'm like the man of the house down there with the immediate family. So I go sit in a recliner and my gifts are carried to me. I'm instructed to do. And so my little daughter, Miss Ashley, carried me a box just almost identical to the size of this Bible. She set it on my lap and she kind of got that smirky look like a teenage girl can. And she said, you don't know what this year I took that box and I shook it and there was absolutely no sound. I took that box and I smelled it. She said, you don't know. I said, it smells like a T-bones day working castorating knife. And I watched my daughter go. I looked over at my wife and she went. And they looked at me and said, how? This is another word of encouragement to you guys that want to know what you're getting. Starting about November 15th, be around your house at the normal UPS delivery time. Because one day I just happened to be home and the old ups drivers, I call him, up my driveway, and I was standing in the driveway, and he got out. He shook my hand. I shook his. We exchanged the pleasantries. He said, can I leave the package with you? I said, you sure can. He handed me the package, and I looked at it, and it said, from T-Bone's Knife Company. And I thought, well, I'll be. I opened it. I felt how sharp it was. I mean, I just looked it all over. I put it back. I stuck it in the mudroom just exactly where the UPS driver places every box. And I thought, you talk about... You know, some wins are just easy. That one was an easy one. And so what are you saying, preacher? From mid-November... There was a T-Bones day-working castration knife somewhere. I don't know where they hid it, but I knew it was somewhere in the house. I knew it was my gift, but it wasn't mine until December 23rd when I took possession of it. I said all that to say this. A lot of you sitting here today, you know about the gift of salvation. But you sit here Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. You know about the gift, but let me tell you something today. It's not yours until you take possession of it. It's not yours until you accept it. And if you're here today 
Let me tell you, be a great day to accept the greatest gift that was ever given, and that the gift of salvation. And all of God's people said, and then if you remember in that sermon, I said, not only do you have to accept the gift, I said, you've got to activate the gift. See, the Bible says when we get saved, the gift of salvation, we all have some kind of gift of service. Is everybody staying with me? And so when you get the gift of salvation, you've got at least one gift that you can serve Jesus with. Some have many. And Romans 12, 6 says, let us use them. How many of you have accepted the gift, but you've never activated the gift? See, about the middle of December, my sister-in-law called me and she said, can you help us work some cattle between Christmas and New Year's? I said, what are you going to do? Vaccinate the cows. We're going to vaccinate the calves and we're going to cut the bulls. I said, man, can we cut the bulls first? She said, why? I said, oh, I got a gift. I didn't have it yet, but I knew I was going to get it. And I'd never look more forward to castrating a set of bull calves than I had on December 26th. I mean, I showed up like this. They made me suffer through working the cows, suffer through the heifers. But when we come to the bull calves, I tied a rope off on the front of that preferred chute. They said, ain't we going to do it in the chute? I said, oh, no. We're going to tie them off the chute. And I said, when I started tying down calves, my goal was to run down. And when I flanked a calf, catch that front leg and have it strung, back ones gathered, and one wrap on them before he hit the ground. That's how fast I wanted to have one wrap on all three legs. And I said, I didn't get there, but I got close. And I said, I've got a new goal. I want to run down that rope, and I want to flank one of them bull calves, and I want to grab that front leg, hand it to my head man, and I want to reach and get that sack, and I want to have the bottom of the sack cut off before he ever hits the ground. Now, they thought I was crazy, and I may be. I'm not arguing the point that I ain't. But let me tell you, I cut the end of my glove off. I was, listen, I was just a little bit shaky trying to learn how to use this thing. But as the day went along and as the years come along, let me tell you what. I've got quite a bit better with this gift. That first day, I like to cut the scabbard apart. See it there, Ron? Or Ron, yeah. Ken. Ken, Ron. Ronnie, Rob. Don't matter. Trenton, Trey, Truett, TL. Don't matter. Don't matter, nephew, Matthew, whatever your name is. Look here. I'm making a point. That first day I used this gift, I wasn't real good at it. But the longer I used it, the more I use it, I get better. It was awkward at first. You get saved, you got a gift of service. Let me tell you something. It may seem awkward at first. But you are to be so excited about using it, and you ought to be using it. Are you with me? And you are to develop that gift. And the first day you use that gift to the last day you use that gift, it ought to be getting better and better and better. Better tomorrow with that gift of service than I was today. Are you with me? But you first of all got to activate it and use it. And then you got to develop it and get better. And all God's people are saying, Amen and Amen. And you remember January 7th, 2018? 
accept the gift, activate the gift. But then my third point was you've got to appreciate the gift. Now, let me tell you something. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are gone. The new has come. What about thanks be to God for his indescribable gift? Have you ever thought about this? I mean, I've got some cow workers right here. I've got a lot of you scattered. Have you ever thought about how crazy we are? We cut calves, and I don't know this, but more times than not, Case makes a knife, and it's called a trapper. Ain't called a rancher. Called a trapper. If they call it a trapper, who should use a trapper? But us ranchers, more of us when it comes time to cut calves, used a trapper. It's not a lock blade. Get weighty shades, trapper. Let it shut on your finger one time. I've never seen anybody carry a sharper knife than Wadey Shade. I'm just warning you right now. Don't take his knife. It could be the end of your life. He offered me his knife one time to scrape my jeans off. I said, I don't want to cut my leg off. I just want to scrape the manure off my jeans. I'll use somebody else's. So all of these years, I, 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 I'm a rancher, but I got a trapper. You cut calves. It shuts on your hand. You're trying to lay it somewhere. You're trying to do this. And all of a sudden, they come out with a T-Bones day work and castrate. And I got a pouch, cut the bottom of the sack, put it back, pull the testicles out, pull it out, cut them off, put it back in here. And if you don't want to put it in here, you can do this while you're pulling the sack out. Are you with me? I just appreciated how much easier a knife that's made for castration made castration. Now, I'm telling you all that to tell you this. I spent 31 years doing it the wrong way. I spent 31 years kind of like a rancher using a trapper knife, living in the dark without Jesus. 31 years. But then one day, I got the gift of Jesus. And can I tell you that day, I appreciated how much easier this thing called life become and all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen and my last point on January 7th 2018 was this you got to accept the gift you got to activate the gift you got to appreciate the gift but you got to advertise the gift now that day Miss Rhonda said where did you get that Rob Tig now has one Wadey Shade now has one you know why I got one somebody else had one word of mouth Satisfied customers. Satisfied customers. Word of mouth. Advertise the gift. You with me? Shouldn't we advertise Jesus? You got Jesus here today? You got Jesus here today? Let me ask you this. You a satisfied customer? Are you a satisfied customer? You ought to be sharing that to a lost and dying world. You ought to advertise your Savior. Now, let me tell you why I knew I'd preach something similar. Didn't have no idea it'd be the same message, Dave. Because Tuesday, as Shane Slack calls it, I call it Tuesday, he calls it Tuesday. On Tuesday, old Carl, Amish boy, been helping me work cows, 
one of the bulls come through, and I said, we can castrate him. I don't like him, don't like the looks of him, don't know why he got through the first round without castration. He said, anybody got a knife? You know what the feller on the other side of the chute handed him? A trapper. And as he handed it to him, you know what he said to Carl? It's not very sharp. You know what crawling in the back of a chute with a dull trapper can result in? A kick to the head? Trying to saw the bottom of a testicle sack off? I'm trying to keep it proper named here. And when I heard that, I looked over there, and there my toolbox is. It keeps all my vaccination guns in it. And I thought, well, old T-Bone's in there. And I said, hang on, Carl. This is where I knew I was going to preach this message. Because I pulled that out. And he was standing at the back of the chute, and I handed it to him. And old Carl went, that's pretty neat. That's almost like that was made for just this. I said, it was. And old Carl stood to back the chute, and he said, look, your finger right in there when you grab that. I said, yeah. He just kept going on. I said, hey, Carl, what? I said, cut the calf. <laughs> and he got in there, and he just kept oohing and on about this knife. Now, here's why I knew I'd be preaching this message, Dave. These have been around about six years. Huh? I thought anybody and everybody that was a rancher and worked cattle had surely heard about these T-Bones knives. But I found out when Carl looked at it and the look on his face, completely new to him. And I knew right then, I got to preach this message. Because we'll gather Sunday morning and we'll just take for granted that everybody's heard about Jesus. And the truth of the matter is they haven't. Therefore, we better be advertising the greatest gift that was ever given. You satisfied customer? Let it come out of your mouth. Advertise the greatest gift that's ever been given. Now, why I called my phone, and I've heard David say this, and, and I may mess it up, Dave, you correct me. You've got to tell a story to have a story. You know, people often say, man, he just has these stories. Well, if you're telling your story and you're advertising Jesus, you're going to have stories. For the past seven weeks, I send a text out every Sunday morning to a guy by the name of Mike Chambers. Don't miss. Send one or two out during the week. Unchurched. Says he's saved. Here's the text I got after I preached the second service. I get up by 5 every day. Woke up at 8.20 this morning. Thought I would text you after church because I sent him a text about 5.30. Hope to see you and Mama today. That's all I put. That's just what he calls his wife. and All things to all people. Just talk their language. Hope to see you and Mama today at church. Thought I would text you after church. It's amazing. You, and listen to this, 
and the people in the church genuinely care and pray for me. It reminds me of my childhood and family. Thank you and love you all. You're sitting on the second row today. He's been there numerous times. You know what? All I'm doing is trying to advertise as a satisfied customer every time I'm around him. That was on my console when I got in my truck. You and this church. Notice both of them. Give Rob all the glory. You and this church. They both said, you and this church. One can't do it. You and this church have been such a blessing to me. Thank you for all that you do in the name of Jesus. And listen to this. You told me, this lady had told Ray Barnes, I'll never step foot in church. This lady told Glenn Clark, I'll never step foot in church. This lady told me, I'll never step foot in church. You told me that you would get me to your church. Now I said to the church, you told me, I don't know if Ray was quite that bold or Glenn was quite that bold, but I told her as she was cutting my hair one day, I'll get you there because I, I don't play fair. I've got a little help, and his name's the Holy Spirit. I don't play fair. You told me that you would get me to church and God made it happen. That's Miss Ruth. She tells it like it is. She said, I'll come to your house and give you a haircut because you need one bad. That's what she told me before she left today. I said, why don't you just bring your stuff next Sunday and cut it while I preach? That text and that letter... I'm going to tell you, that just simply comes because every day of my life, I'm trying to advertise my Jesus. I'm a very satisfied customer. And the people I work cattle with, I want to see them saved. I want to see them in heaven. The people that cut my hair sell me the hot link for lunch at Dano's. I want to see them in heaven. And therefore, I'm just a satisfied customer advertising my Savior. And if you want to get texts like that and cards like that, just continue to be the church that advertises the Savior. Tell your story, and you'll have a story to tell. Amen. So, does anybody remember January 7, 2018, after that sermon was preached? Tell you what happened at Telequal. Third row, I preached that sermon. Second chair in, be right there. Said Dwayne Rogers. I had been advertising my Savior to Dwayne Rogers for 10, 15 years. 
I had sat on the dirt road at my house and watched him with tears running down his face saying this. You ever heard this, Andy? I know. I know. I know. I stood where my electric lines would come from the neighbor's house to my house. I stood under them in my field, and I watched Dwayne Rogers with tears running down his face, shaking his head, saying, Rob, I know. I know. I had talked to him at rodeos. I had talked to him at ropings. And more times than not, the tears would well up. And more times than not, his words was, I know. I know. His words was, don't give up on me. I know. And he started coming to church because we just kept advertising myself and this church. I ain't near the only one that tried to win Dwayne Rogers to Christ. Glenn Clark. I mean, a bunch of them. Gloria Shankle, look here. And he had been coming for about four or five weeks. But on January 7, 2018, I preached that message. And I watched Dwayne Rogers get to his feet. And I watched a broken man kneel at the altar. And when I knelt down beside him, he said, I'm ready to accept it. I'm ready to take possession of it. And let me tell you what Dwayne did. He activated his gift. Let me tell you something. He appreciated his gift. I don't know how many times I'd get a text or phone call. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank Jesus for you, Rob. He appreciated the new way of life. And I know he advertised it because everybody at Lake Region knew what happened to him on January 7, 2018. You remember that day? Boy, I do. Two months and two days later, let me ask you this question. Do you remember March 9, 2018? I do. Because I just pulled in the parking lot of a church in Bristow, Oklahoma, and I was just fixing to get out and walk in and preach Spud Garrison memorial service. And my phone rang, and it was Glenn Clark. And, I mean, I'm already cutting it close. I pick it up, and I said, hello. He said, need to pray for Dwayne. He just went down in the office at Lake Region. And he said, it don't look good. And Glenn's voice began to shake. He said, pray for our buddy Dwayne. Can I tell you, I hung up. Me and Donna prayed for Dwayne. And can I tell you, I went in there. I shook hands. I met with that family. And can I tell you, that was probably one of the funerals that I struggled at the most. Because the whole time I was preaching Spud Garrison's funeral, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to know what was going on back in Tahlequah with my old buddy Dwayne. When I walked out of that funeral, I couldn't get to the phone fast enough. And I dialed Glenn Clark and I said, Glenn. And old Glenn's voice was shaking. He said, our old buddy didn't make it. And I sat there and I thought about it a minute, Bob. And I said, yeah, Glenn, our old buddy made it. He made it. Because two months and two days earlier, he accepted the greatest gift that could ever be given. And what looks like those who look like they didn't make it, if they've accepted the gift, when they leave this earth, you don't need you can say a lot of things, but you saying our old buddy, my old husband, my old husband, our old friend, listen, you can say a lot of things, but if they're saved, one thing you don't need to be saying is they didn't make it. Because let me let you in on something. They've made it. They've made it where I 
desire to be. And that's in a place called glory. Do you remember January 7, 2018? If you didn't, I hope you got stirred up by being reminded. And listen, every one of us is going to have a March 9th. And if you want to be prepared for your March 9th, you need to have a January 7th. Let's all stand. You've got a day of death and it's coming. It's on the calendar. God knows the day. And if you're here today, God sent the greatest gift that He could ever give in that of His Son, Jesus Christ. A gift that was needed in a dark world, that gift being the light of the world. Christians, could I beg you today? Could I plead with you? Hit this altar. Get on your knees and tell God how much you appreciate the gift. Let Him know how much easier life is since you become a 2 Corinthians 5, 17 man. Wouldn't you just want to get on your knees and just let Him know how much you appreciate the greatest gift ever given? Wouldn't you want to just get on your knees and say, God, I need to activate the gift of serving. I've got the gift of salvation. I need to be serving. I need to be better tomorrow in the service area than I am today. I need to develop and work on the gift that you've given me. As you come and kneel in these altars today, why don't you just surrender to God and say, God, I want to be that satisfied customer, and I am. But I want to be that satisfied customer that advertises you the Savior. As these altars are full of people that's accepted that gift and they're just appreciating it, activating it, and advertising it. If you're here today, listen to me. If you're here today and you've never accepted that gift, wouldn't you step out today and do what Dwayne Rogers done on a January 7th? And let me give you some encouragement to do it. You've got a March 9th coming. You've got a day of death. It's coming. And you don't want to face it without a day of salvation. If you listen real closely today, I'm just telling you, you don't want your March 9th to come without a January 7th. And if you've not experienced that, listen, you know you need to step out. You know you need to come today. Would you come? church and I just hope that we'll just get better and better and better about advertising our Savior. 
when we simply understand how the kingdom of God grows is just satisfied customers telling others where we found that satisfaction. When we realize all we are is a beggar who found bread, and we just need to go tell the other beggars where the bread is. Remember them old four leprous boys? Boy, I could just preach for hours. Most unlikely choice who God used after that big famine, those four lepers down there. And they realized what we're doing is not good. Man, they'd been in a famine and they'd found food. God had scattered the enemies. And they's down there. I, I can just picture them. Brother Robert, their old belly's about like a little old stray puppy. I mean, just about to pop. And they, they realized, man, what we're doing is not good. People starving to death. Only God would pick the lepers realize what they're and they took off to tell everybody else folks we're the most unlikely because we had a disease not leprosy but sin and God because he loved us enough chose to forgive us of it and if we're being quiet about it guess what what we're doing is not good this is a day of rejoicing and we should go tell others about the bread we found in that of the bread of life Jesus Christ amen, amen. Give me Jesus.